Hey, thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you, encourages you, and brings you closer to Him. interesting because when I was reading that line over and over again this past week in scripture and book of Exodus, I was thinking, I wonder if Moses knew that there was going to be one of the greatest moves of God ever that happened in the next chapter. I wonder if he knew for a second that what he was about to tell the Israelites was going to be so controversial that thousands, at least thousands of years, maybe tens of thousands of years later, that they were still going to be talking about and that people were going to be put off by what he said. Like, some people think that what he was about to say was the most controversial, and it's everything that's wrong with religion or everything that's wrong with the church. As a matter of fact, we still see it, that if people attach to these things that he's about to say, they get put in boxes and they get put in stereotypes, and, and, and literally sometimes they're the villains. One of my best friends, pastors, or a good friend of mine, pastors a church uh, here in town, First Baptist Church of Augusta. It's a rather large church, and he posted, his name is Will Dwyer, and he posted this week that that somebody had painted graffiti on their wall, and there was two things that they wrote. One was that God is dead, and then the other one was what's wrong with the world is Christians. What's wrong with everything in life is Christians. And I thought about this, and what a great response, and I'm so proud of my friend. I'm, I'm so proud to be able to do ministry in this city with guys like Will Dwyer who put on there, instead of being, uh, you know, kind of bashing and like, I can't believe these people did it. They said, he literally said, he said, we love you, and we would love to sit down and have a conversation. We would love to have a meal with you so you can see what real believers look like. Because I'm telling you, what the world sees, what the, the, the way the world is depicted uh, Christians is not what we really are. It, what we see on CNN and always pointing the finger, that's not what we really are, is it? And so those, th- those things that, that he was about to say, Moses was about to say, people are put off by. Some, some people actually think it's a crime. I mean, they, they want... They don't want it in schools. They don't want those things that he talked about in schools. They don't want them in, 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 in court buildings. And, and I'll just to be honest, I'll tell you where I stand on it. I don't want them in schools either, and I don't want them in courtrooms. I want them in our houses. And until we get them in our houses, they should never be anywhere else. Somebody should say amen to that. It's interesting because there's some people that are put off. There's some people that are angered and frustrated by it, but there's some people that live by it. There's some people that say, you know something? Those things that he talked about right there are things that brought me life. I'm going to ask you a question today. I'm going to ask a lot of questions. Your arm's going to get sore from raising it up and down, but how many people have, have, have a dog? Anybody have a dog in the room? Oh, maybe I shouldn't call people dogs. How many people have kids? People, kids, right? So um, when my kids were growing up, I put a fence in the backyard. Did I put a fence in the backyard to confine them, to, to keep them from their liberties, to, from keeping them to realize who they are? No, I put it because I wanted to protect them. I didn't want them to go outside that fence because behind my house was a creek and in front of my house was a, a busy road. See, those things that Moses was going to say to the children of Israel were, were not there to confine them or somehow to restrict them. They were there to protect them. And what I found out in my own personal life, those things that he talked about, those 10 things that sometimes we're afraid to even say We're there for the protection. And what I've learned is when I live by those, I have great blessings. When I live away from those things, it's great anxiety. And so over and over and over again, as a matter of fact, if you look through scripture, there's actually way more than just these 10 things. There's actually 613 of them. If you look at Jewish customs, but they were all wrapped up in these 10 things. And God didn't give this 
this 10 list or top 10 list for, for because, because he knew we were going to love him. He didn't give it to us. It wasn't contingent. What it was was, if you live by these, you'll have the best life ever. That's what I've found out. Because of these 10 things, I've had the best life, life ever. So today, today what I want to talk about, I want to talk about the 10 commandments. And I'm going to look at them. And here's the deal. I have never tried to unbuckle or unpack 10 commandments in one day. It took me just a short period of time this morning. It was four and a half hours. We started the service way early this morning. But what I'd like to talk about, and I want to look at these 10 commandments, not so much as the parameters or the way God wants to restrict people, but when we live in those, what happens to our lives, the blessings that he wants to pour out? Because I believe we've misinterpreted what these 10 commandments actually stand for. And they, they, they're in three classifications, and that's how I would like to break them down. Today's not going to be running all over the stage and screaming and all that. I'm going to ask a lot of questions. I'm going to ask you to challenge yourself in several areas. But the very first thing I see when I look at the Ten Commandments, and it's really found in the first four commandments, which we'll break down, is that God is calling us into a relationship with him. That's, how he wants to, that's why the Ten Commandments were given. They were given so we would know he... And the very next thing after the Ten Commandments were given, and we were talking about this in our staff this past week... The very next thing that happened was God told them to build the tabernacle, the place where God wanted to dwell and meet with his people. So he gave the law and he said, I don't, I don't want just the law. I want, I want relationship with my human. I want relationship with the people in the world. And these four things are literally talking about the relationship that he wants to have with us. Now, it's interesting because there's a baseline. There's actually, if you read theological books, there's a, what's called the preface right here. And the preface looks a lot like this, but what I want to do is I'm going to read Exodus chapter 20, and then I'm going to walk down this road, and then we're going to talk a little bit about what these first four stand for. It says, Exodus chapter 20, verse 1, and God spoke all these words, saying, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall know other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or anything, the likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that in the earth beneath, or that with the water underneath the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I am the Lord, and I am the jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers and the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commands. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day, it keeps you holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day it's the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not work, uh, your son, your, your daughters, your, your, your sons and your male servants, your female servants, your livestock, your sojourner, who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and the, and the sea and all that's in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and he made it holy. And I can hear some of you saying this already because I had somebody walk up to me after first service and say, well, that's the Old Testament, that's the law. Well, you remember what Jesus said? I didn't, come to, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill the law. I'm the fulfillment of these. And as a matter of fact, these things are all going to eventually, and you'll understand this, are going to lead you to me. And Jesus said in the Gospels, he said this, and we have a whole series in November that we talk about this. It's called Love Thy Neighbor. What does he say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength, and then love your neighbor as yourself. You know what that is? That's the Ten Commandments. It, the Ten Commandments are wrapped up in those two things. It's literally this. God loves you. We need to love God. We should love the people around us. And then we should love ourselves and be people of integrity. That's the Ten Commandments. And so the very first thing he talks about is his love for us. The first four commandments focus on our relationship with God based on what he has done. 
Let's read verse one again. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, the land, or out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. So before he gives these law, what does he say? Don't you forget what I did for you. Don't, don't forget how good I was to you. Don't forget that while you were in bondage for all those years, I was with you. And don't forget, I was the one that brought you out. And last week, the epic story was the Red Sea. And he's taking him through the Red Sea. And now they're, they're at a point now where I'm going to speak to my people because I want to be with my people. And so one of the first things he says is, I want you to, how many times has God that, before God ever wants to change us, before God ever expects anything out of us, he wants us to know how much he loves us and what he's done for us. As a matter of fact, there's a passage in Romans chapter, because we see this in the life of Jesus over and over again. In Romans chapter five, verse eight, but God shows his love for us while we were yet sinners. So while we were still far from him, he loved us and he cared about us. His love for us is not contingent on what we do, regardless of what some people think. Now, I was raised in another denomination uh, until I was about 17 years old. And I thought, literally I thought, that my relationship with Jesus was based on what I did. How many of times I can repetate, uh, you know, uh, 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 say a, a passage of scripture, or how many times I said a certain prayer. And it wasn't until later in my life where I realized that I was not justified by any of those works. I was justified by faith in Jesus Christ. And that's literally what he's saying. The whole preface for these 10 commandments is the fact that I love you and I brought you out of Egypt and I care about you. And then he starts. Because what happens when we understand how much God loves us. Our natural response is to love him back. And that's why we can say, and that's why he said, you shall have no other gods before you. Now, in our world today, we don't have gods like Zeus and, and Baal and Athena. It's funny, last night I was at a small group. One of our small groups uh, asked myself uh, and Gina myself to come to their small group, and they had a big meal, and then they played these games. And how many people love it when you get invited to somebody's house to play games? <laughs> They're all in first service. So they pulled out the games, and I sat there like this. But after a while, I realized it was going to be a pretty fun game. So we all put names of famous people on little cards, and we all put them in. It was guys against girls, and we knew right away we were destined to get beat. Got, how many people know guys never, ever, ever win? They cheat. That's why. <laughs> so... So the, there was a question that came up. And so what you had to do, you had to put a famous person on there, right? So a famous person. And then we played that game, and then we went to another game. And it's a game called Things You Should Know, which means the only people who know those are people that actually studied in high school, like people that were somewhat smart. So here's one of the questions. One of the questions was, who was the goddess of love? Who was it? Who? Oh, y'all are way smarter than us. I shouted with everything in me, with a great confidence, because I was told, if you don't know the answer, at least be confident. So I shouted out, Venus. And everybody's like, yes, that's it. Yo, yo, yes. And then one guy, a doctor, real smart guy, he goes, Aphrodite. <laughs> it was Aphrodite. Well, the reason we didn't know that is we don't have gods that we set up like that today. Or do we? M maybe it's the god of success. Maybe it's the God of money. Maybe it's the God of possessions that we're, we're fighting against now. You can put whatever names you want to put on those things. Anything that we set up to be higher than God, the one true God is a God. It's interesting, and we even do this in the church. We, we look at success 
by numbers. We look at success by how many people we've done certain things with or how many people walk through the doors. Where, where if you look at Jesus' life, he saw success with the one. Well, the woman that was caught in adultery, one. It wasn't a big crowd. The, the lady at Jacob's well, one. Over and over again, the, lady, the man that was brought in for healing, it was one. And we've done it even with the, the whole concept of money and success in the church where we look at people. I had a friend of mine that came through our church and he ended up going, to, um, he, he, he went to school here. He was, grew up in our student ministry. And then he went to Dallas Theological Cemetery um, for continued training. Um, that's where every good dream goes to die, by the way, cemetery, I mean, seminary. And so he went there and, and I was talking to a friend and we actually saw him in Ireland not too long ago. And I was like, man, how you doing? He goes, great. He's uh, Bobby, Pastor Bobby, I'm taking, I'm, I'm, I'm accepting the call. And we were all thinking he's accepting the call because this guy is amazing. He could preach at any church. He could work for Irwin McManus. He could work for, you know, he could work for, um, you know, Andy Stanley. He could work for Craig Rochelle. He could work for anybody. He goes, I'm accepting the call. He goes, I'm going to go on the mission field. And my buddy was sitting there, the pastor's another large church in the area. He goes, what a waste. I said, what a waste. What do you mean, what a waste? He said, yeah, that, that, that kid could preach anywhere. He could be amazing. I said, yeah, but he's following the call of God in his life. See, we've set up success, and success looks different. And that's a God. The second thing he says, you shall not make for yourself an idol. There again, we don't have little birds. We don't have little, little statues. Well, some of you have gnomes, but they're master's gnomes. <laughs> like, I didn't realize how big those were until they started going online for $5,000. I have one. Caleb's not in the room. I have one that Caleb gave me. It may be leaving if they keep going up in price. Just, just I'll tithe off of it. See, not many of us have those things, but... But we always struggle, don't we? Let's be honest with putting things ahead of God. We talked about it in a series about money. We talked about what God doesn't want us to do is treasure our treasures. And so many of us, that's what our idol is. We treasure our treasure. We treasure the thing. And, and listen, okay, I'm going to ask for a show of hands of how many people have never done this before. Oh, good. So you're on the same boat with me. So I have a 2006 Ranger bass boat. It's beautiful, right? So I'm fishing the other day. And as I'm fishing, here comes this 2021 Ranger bass boat. And I know they put sparkles on it just for me. Because I am, I am drawn to anything that's got sparkles. And so like, oh, it's riding down. It, it, has, it has this, they're called depth finders. They used to be, I remember the days when depth finders were this big, right, on my boat. Like I remember, now they're this big and you can watch any TV show that you want to watch on this thing while you're fishing. It's an amazing little thing. Like it's not just, it's like a video game. I can put my, I was on a friend's boat. I can, I can, I can put, drop my line down. I can see the line go down. I can see the fish swim up. I can tell you when the fish is going to bite. Now the only problem is I need to know that there's fish there and sometimes I'm not really good at that. But you know what I started doing? I was like, Man, I'd like to have that boat. You know how many fish I could catch with that boat right there? Do you know how good, Will, do you know how good I would look in that boat? And then I started saying, you deserve that boat. And then I heard my wife's voice. We're not going to say what it said, but it's not what I said. <laughs> Don't treasure your treasures. Here's the first thing. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. How many people thought that was originally talking about saying a cuss word? One person. Okay, y'all grew up in church. Like, we used to be told, like, God's last name isn't... See, I can't say that in church. 
Welcome to Journey. Like y'all just shouting out cuss words at church. <laughs> but you know what this is talking about? This has, this has very little to do. This is actually talking about an oath. And this is talking about that your talk is lining up with your walk. That when you're out in the world and you say you represent Jesus, that your walk is the same thing as your talk. And it's interesting, over the years, years ago, and, and they actually come to first service, a guy I worked for years ago, he owns a, 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 a landscape company. And we used to do all kinds of landscapes for big, big um, contractors around here. But there was one guy in our city, he's gone on to be with Jesus right now, but he was known, every, he told everybody he was a Christian, he used to wear the big, you know, the big cross, and he would have his Bible everywhere he went, but he would never pay his bills. And so there were several times that like, I would take a bill to him, like, you're 90 days, you're 100 days and, and I remember saying to him, you're, you're, you're talking, your walk aren't lining up. And that's what this passage is talking about, is that when you're out in the world that you're living and you represent Jesus Christ, we say it in staff time all the time. Every time you're out in public, the name of Jesus is following you everywhere you go. You're, you're a king's kid. And so when you're out there in the world, and that's what he's talking about right here, that you're walking, your talk should line up. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. And then the fourth thing is remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. I actually got called out on this a couple months ago. A guy says, hey, why does, does, doesn't this church observe the Sabbath? And I said, well, what do you mean observe the Sabbath? He goes, well, I, I see you fishing on Sundays, and I see you, your staff goes out golfing and whatever. I was like, well, first of all, Sunday's not the Sabbath. Saturday is. And so if you really, really want to keep the law, let's keep the law. Like, if you want to keep the law, let's keep the law. It goes back to what, what Peter was saying. Y'all can't even keep the rules that you're trying to get everybody else to keep, so let's stop trying to throw the rules around, right? So he said, so I said, but you know something? I do keep this up. It looks different. Like, okay, let's say something. It's a work. How awkward would it be if you walked into church and none of us were here? Like, you're not singing all of me, less of you, without them. Or you can, but it would be disaster, right? I've heard some of you sing. You make a joyful noise to him. But it's, you understand? What, so, so you know what I've done? I've had to figure out, and we actually just talked about this. I think it was Thursday or Monday. It was in our staff. Elena, you were talking about it in our staff meeting, that, that we have to observe. Well, I asked, what replenishes your soul? And it was interesting, the conversation, because they were saying, we need to remember that we need a Sabbath too, that there's a day of replenishing that every one of us needs to have. But how do you do that when you work on Sundays? Lots of you guys work retail. You're not working retail right now, so you're here on... But, but, but what happens if you... So I, I've developed a solution to this, okay? I'm being very serious. So something that I do, I've been doing it for the last, I don't know, five or six years, that I take 30 minutes every day and I make it my Sabbath. So every morning when I get in my office, I shut my door. I don't let anybody come in. I'm not studying to study. I'm listening to, you know, Christian music. I'm reading, I'm reading. So I do two devotions every day. I do one called Jesus Calling and I do Oswald Chambers of my utmost first highest. And so I sit there for 30 minutes and I am in God's word and I'm listening to God. But on top of that, I also take a day every week that I peel away. Now, it's not all like, I'm not like, oh. Sometimes it's just replenishing my soul by going, I go golfing with my buddies, me and Will and Caleb and, and, and Tracy and Alan. We go golfing. We like hanging out with each other. Right? We replenish, we challenge each other. We laugh, we giggle. The Bible says a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. I get with people that are gonna fill my soul up. And then part of the day, and I, when I do this, because it works for me, is Fridays. So I work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday. And so Friday is my Sabbath. And so I, the only thing I'll ever do on a Friday afternoon is if I have a wedding for a Saturday, is I'll take that and I'll do that. But then I'm right back with my wife and I'm hanging out. And then two weeks out of the year, every year, in July generally, okay, 
I take two weeks off and I don't do any studying for messages. I am just filling my soul up. So I'm gonna ask you a question. When's the last time you've taken some type of Sabbath? Just because we don't do it like they used to do it doesn't mean we shouldn't do it at all. So how are you doing? How are you doing the Sabbath? What are you doing? If, if it's a commandment, it's important because it's this relationship. And I say this all the time and it's gonna lead us into the next thing. If this relationship is right, this relationship is right. When this one is wrong, when we're not handling this one, it, it seems to be difficult with marriages and relationships with family and all that kind of stuff. So the first four commandments, about they're about this relationship. And then the second four are about God is calling us to value others around us. Now, one of the things I like about the commandments, it's taught me that other people matter. Because you want to know something? It's naturally in most of us to be selfish, isn't it? It's naturally in most of us to, to look out for our, our best interest. But these next four commandments require me to look outside my little circle of my life. And so it's one of those situations. So he says, here's the first, this is what he says in verse 12. He said, he said, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal. So these are the first, let me sum these first four commandments up, okay? If you value your role as a parent, uh, your parents uh, played in your life, you'll live in such a way that you'll bring them honor. I'm going to break this down. Uh, if you value others, you will not kill them. Good on that one? Okay. Uh, if you value your spouse, you, you won't be unfaithful. It's about the other person. It's not about me. And if you value someone else's hard work or their money and their time, you won't steal from them. So the, the, these 10 commandments, these next four teach us that other people matter. So let's talk about this. Honor your father and mother. What does that mean in the world we live in? I feel like it means this. Um, and I want you to understand this. This is the only commandment out of the 10 commandments that comes with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, you'll live long. Now, I don't know what that looks like, but if you honor your father and mother, you'll live long. I don't know that it means literally live long. I think it means you'll live, you'll live peacefully. You'll live, you'll live with, with great expectation. You'll, you'll, you'll have great fulfillment and significance in your life. You'll live long. But here's the deal. I don't care if you're a teenager. How many teenagers are in the room right now? A few teenagers, okay? I don't care if you're 20-something. How many 20-somethings? Any 30-somethings? How about 40-somethings? 50-somethings? 60-somethings? 70s? Some of you are card-carrying AARP members which I realized something, by the way. Sitting on the couch the other day with my wife, and she thought it was really funny. She comes walking in. She goes, I got something for you. I said, what is it? She goes, it's got your name on it. I said, what does it say? She goes, you need to read it. It is AARP. I got my official card in the mail last week. I told her to throw that piece of trash away. Here's what I'm going to say. I don't care where you are, you're at in your stage of life. If God tells us to do it, we should honor our moms and dads. Whatever that looks like. If you're a teenager, you should honor your mom and dad. If you're, and I, I can see some of you saying it because I know human nature. You're going, well, you don't know, what, you don't know how, my, how bad my mom was. She was abusive. You don't know how bad my dad was. I don't think there's a contingency there. When I read it, it doesn't say if your mom and dad did good, good things. It just says honor your father and mother. Now, now, I don't think you have to all of a sudden, you have to invest all your life in them. But here's what I will say to you. I think what we can do, see, I have two great parents. And I live my life in such a way that I want to honor my mom and dad. Everything I do, I think in the back of my mind, how would my dad handle this? How would my mom handle this? Am I bringing credibility to them? Am I bringing respect and trust and honor to them? 
Now, your mom and dad may not be that great. They may not even be on this earth anymore. But here's what you can do. You can live in such a life where they look at you and it's honorable. And maybe somewhere down, if they're still alive, maybe they're looking at your life and maybe that's the deciding factor of maybe a faith walk because they've watched how you've handled life in in your your situation, how how you've raised your kids. So honor your father and mother. Okay, Uh, the second one uh, in this group, you shall not murder. We good on that one? Okay, anybody done that lately? How scary would it be if somebody went? So I don't don't know many murderers. It's not my, we don't play golf together. Um, But I I met some when we used to play travel ball. We we, go to the federal penitentiary over in uh, McCormick and I met some and, but, and it made me think like, okay, so how do you relate that to somebody in this culture? And I said it several weeks ago, and I said it in a series called God's Top Ten List. We murder people with our mouths. Go to Walmart, the Walmart, just about any time. Kids are out of school. You will watch a mom or a dad or a grandmom or a granddad murder their kids with their mouth. I've seen it too many times. I've watched the life literally as, as kids are being just bla- you know, blistered and blasted by, by all these different things. This is what the Bible says. David says it like this. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable and pleasing to you. That, that every time we put something, maybe it's not just saying it. Maybe it's when we write something. Maybe it's when we put something on Facebook, which we're going to talk about and say. Maybe it's when we put something on Twitter. Maybe we're killing people with our actions. Maybe we're hiding behind that, key, that, that keyboard courage and, and saying certain things. I love the way uh, over and over again, uh, Luke chapter 6. And, and you want to have it? The Bible says the abundance of the heart, Luke chapter 6, 45. The, Bible, the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If there's junk right here, it's going to come out here eventually. So he says, thou shalt not murder. Then he says, thou shalt not commit adultery. And adultery is this. It's when you go back on your oath that you had with your spouse. But I think you can take it even a step further. It's any oath that you've made that you should be faithful in everything that you said. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. And then it says, you shall not steal. So let's do a little self-awareness. I don't think anybody in this room is going to, going to Academy Sports directly following and you're going to put something in your shirt that you're trying to steal, right? right? So you're not walking around with a fishing rod in your leg that everybody's like, you know, <laughs> trying to get out of there with a fishing rod. But, but, I think we still steal. How about this? We steal when we borrow things and never give them back. Check your garage when you get home today. By the way, I knew I was speaking this today. I checked my garage yesterday. How about this? We steal when we take money that we have not done work for. Or when we punch in and we say we've worked 45 when we only work 35. Or how about this? We steal when we take credit for something that somebody else did. Or how about this? We steal, and maybe this is the ultimate deception, when we steal from God, when we don't give him what he deserves. When he says, I just want you to manage 100%, and I want 10 of it back. If you want to know the truth, Malachi says, why do you steal from me? That's the exact word. Why do you steal from me? 
And so we steal, we steal. We may not go to academy and put a fishing rod or a, a knife or we may not put a, a Yeti, but, 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 but every one of us has struggles with this kind of thing. So thou shalt not steal. Here's the last part of this. I'm gonna close right here. God is calling us to live a life filled with integrity. This is what he said. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife uh, or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. So you should not give false testimony against your neighbor. This commandment is about integrity. This means you don't say anything unless you know it's true. You know what it's called? Fact-checking. You don't share something on Facebook that you don't know is true. You don't share something about the president or the ex-president unless you know it's true. You don't give your opinion on things. It's not IMO. You know what IMO is? In my opinion. As a believer, I can have an opinion, but when I call it fact and it's not fact, that's lying. And I've, bro I've broken my oath. I've made false testimony against. Here's what I've determined I'm going to do. I'm going to speak what I know and only what I know. I'm going to speak what I know and only what I know. That's the first part of it. Here's the second part. You shall not covet your neighbor's, neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. I think that's a good idea. Manservant, maidservant, bass boat, his ox, his donkey, his car, his house, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Hey, Will, you grew up on a farm, right? Did you have chickens? Did you have goats? So there's a little something I found out with people that have chickens and goats. I, I fact-checked this one, by the way. Fact-checked it. If you let your chickens and your goats out, I, I bet it works with any animal. If you let them out, they quickly run from the pen they're in, if they're let free, to go to another pen of another animal. So chickens will cross to go to the goat pen, and goats will cross. You know why? They think what's over there is better than what they have. I've watched it happen. I've had two puppy dogs. I had Flash and Pokey. They were little beagles. And I would, I would put two bowls down, and one of them was mean as a snake. I mean, a little small beagle, right? Arr! And every time that one of the dogs tried to go with the other one, ran over there because they thought that one was better right there. That's us. Man, we look at somebody else's car. I, I, today, I did it today. I'm not a big car person. I'm a, I love a truck. I love, <laughs> I love a truck. With a nice bass boat, Lee, tagging behind it. They have to match, don't they? No, they have to match. Well, I, I was sitting there and Somebody, uh, maybe it's in this service. Red Corvette? Anybody with a red Corvette? Maybe it was first service. Was it first service, Alan? First service. So I saw, I was like, oh, that's a good looking car. Look at the red Corvette. And then this truck came in. I gotta go check this one out. I'm outside. Y'all do the same thing. Don't lie to me. It's just different, whatever yours is. And that's what he's saying. He says, don't covet somebody else's stuff. The commandment reveals, here's this, if we're satisfied with who we are and what I have. Because if we're coveting, that means we're not satisfied with what God's given us. You know another thing it means? That sometimes God blesses other people more than he blesses me. And that's a hard pill to swallow for a lot of people. So all of these were given for us to go to a certain direction. And I said this in first service, I'll say it right now. <clears throat> it's simply this, love God first, treat others with respect and then be true to yourself. 
And some of you are going, that's it? That's it? No, that's not it. Because there's a punchline to this. None of us can do it. None of us can fulfill those three things. None of us can fulfill all those Ten Commandments. How many people have ever stolen anything before? The rest of you raise your hand because you're liars. So that's lying and stealing right there. We got two. Right? How many people have ever said a dirty word? How many people have ever knocked somebody down with the words they spoke? This church is jacked up, man. Bunch of sinners in this place. See, but that's why the Ten Commandments were given. You know that? To show that we couldn't keep them. That we had need for a Savior. That without Jesus, all of our righteousness, is what Isaiah says, is like filthy rags. So when we look at this epic moment that happened in the course of history, it wasn't just so we could have a good movie. It wasn't so we could preach a sermon on it. Is that It was that he wanted to have a relationship with us. And in order to have a relationship, we had to accept Jesus because we can't do it on our own. I want to pray first today. I want you to bow your heads for a second. Because I believe there's even some people in this world, maybe watching online, maybe in our atrium, maybe down our Sherwood campus. We've tried to keep all the rules. And then we get frustrated when we can't keep the rules. And we feel like we're a failure. But we need to remember these 10 things, all, all of them, the 400 and something, were given for one purpose. That you and I needed a Savior. That we couldn't do it on our own. That a couple thousand years ago, Jesus became our sin. He led captivity captive. He broke the chain of all the things that we go through in our lives. And we can know a lot about the Bible and we can quote every one of the commandments and still go to hell, to be quite honest with you. It's not until we relinquish control to Jesus. It's that moment right there where we say, Jesus, I want you to take everything I have. We sang that song, more of you. Father, I believe this room is filled with people. I believe watching online, there's people online, there's people in our atrium, there's people down at our Sherwood campus that right now, they've tried to do it on their own. They've tried to be the best person they could possibly be. But the truth of the matter is, they have failed and fallen short. So right now, I pray. It's not a card that you fill out. It's not an aisle that you walk. It's not a secret room. It's not a secret prayer that you having a conversation with the King of Kings right now and asking him to take his rightful place as number one over everything in your life. Then, then the blessings are pouring out. Then he does exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or imagine. Father, I pray that you would be with us this week and as Lindsay said up front, it's your living word. It's not my words that are living. It's your words that are living. It's your kindness, your word says, that leads us to repentance. And I pray that's what would happen today in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or help taking your next step, email our team at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.